0: Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the podcast. We are super excited for you to listen to this upcoming episode with my friend, Ulaika Lou Hobaika. But we just wanted to take a quick moment to announce our new partnership that we are super excited about with ACA Air Conditioning Contractors of America. After a previous podcast, episode numero 11, with ACA CEO Bart James, we knew we wanted to go deeper into a partnership so we could serve the HVS industry more together. So thank you to ACA. Air Conditioning Contractors of America for the partnership. We're grateful and we look forward for what's to come and hope you enjoy this upcoming episode again with Lou Hobica.
1: Hello friends and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut to the bullshit and get to the point.
0: If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Did you hear that, TP? If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Is there ever been a truer statement?
1: I actually heard it a little differently. I heard you're either growing or you're floating, which I know our guest is going to share with us today. So I heard it loud and clear, my man. Good to see you, Chris. Long time, no Zoom.
0: Yes, that's right. And for all of you who have never listened to the podcast before, that was my co-host, Paul Paul. I am your host, Chris Yano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, as well as the CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions, a home services digital marketing company since 2008. Paul, that means 2008, just so it's clear, Okay.
1: Oh, hey, thank you. I'm the dumb one all of a sudden.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, uh, I'm sorry, that was uncalled for. I apologize. So moving on, I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, It was great to be able to chat with him ahead of time because our paths have crossed in a lot of different ways. We just never actually met um, because we've been in the same space for a long time, him significantly longer than me. But I thought it was really a cool moment whenever, um, how we connected. And it was, um, for those who have listened to this long enough or know me know that you know I have a racing background. I used to race Indy cars. I'm a car guy. I'm a gearhead. I like those kind of things. And our guest is the same thing, except maybe even a little more, well, for sure is a little more extreme than me. He has a lot cooler collection than I do, and it kind of brought us together, and, uh, and I'm really excited about it. So I want to introduce our guest, and um, he's local. So he's actually, one thing that this guy brought in to me, which I thought was really cool, is he brought in a bag of, of American flag pens to me. So very patriotic. Now, the first thing I said to him was, "Hey, man, that's really cool. And your dad was a World War II veteran. So anybody knows me, my dad's birthday's today. My dad's been passed away for 14 years, but my dad's a veteran. Um, and so, you know, to me, I love that tie because I'm a, I'm, you know, we're, I'm a big fan of veterans and supporting veterans and things like that. So the the gesture of him bringing in that um, the bag." Of American flags actually meant far more than you would have thought it meant to me so I appreciate you doing that but I want to introduce our guest to you because he runs an amazing company based out of uh, Phoenix Arizona and along with his brothers um, but his dad actually started the company back in 1952 Kyle can you even think back that far no of course not so his dad, Paul, created the company back in 1952, which was called Hobaika Refrigeration, I believe at that point. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And um, and so it's since progressed and grown, and um, but the same amazing reputation. I loved some of the old pictures I saw of the trucks and um, the old building that had, I think it said commercial and domestic versus like commercial and residential like you would normally see. I thought that was pretty cool, but... Um, I want to go ahead and and introduce our guest, Mr. Lou Hobica, who is the president of Hobica Services. Lou, welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Excited to be here.
0: Wonderful. So um, Lou's going to share a lot of awesome stuff because they have such a reputable company here in the Valley, and they've done, and and he's been a part of a lot of different things. And so uh, some of the things we talked about pre podcast we were able to uh, discuss things he's been a part of that I didn't even know that have been helpful to the industry and to the trades as a whole. So I'm going to talk about those things today. But um, so first thing, first thing I want to get to is one. Um, my wife's going to love the fact that you're an ASU alum, right? I am Arizona State. So is she um, Oh, Devils. There he goes. So uh, I am a Purdue fan. <clears throat> Go Baltimore Makers. We don't say that too loud during football season. <laughs> um, the the probably the one of the cooler things is the fact that um, if, and I could be wrong, this could be a complete assumption, but um, are you also a Guinness fan?
2: I am a Guinness fan. I became a Guinness fan when I actually uh, visited Dublin and became a true Guinness fan. Because there's no Guinness like Dublin-Guinness at the Guinness factory. ain't kidding. That's Guinness.
0: Cool story, kind of cool and scary at the same time. Uh, My wife, myself, and our kids were in ireland when this pandemic hit and they cut off travel to get back here we were all there but while we were there we both tried guinness for the first time in ireland so it was like legit it's legit stuff and uh after looking at guinness thinking like this beer is really too dark it's gonna be disgusting i tried it it's amazing it is is a really good beer but you also can be tainted because once you have it over there and then you get it here it's a different experience it's just not the same same. no really
1: like on tap in can just completely different experience
0: uh, it's, it's all in the pour, I believe it's big, all in how yeah. you pour it and serve it. And it's uh, like, it's a thing. It's like, it, you don't mess with it, especially in Ireland. Like you do it the right way. There's
2: you gotta have that head. Gotta have that head on there. Right.
0: And it's, but it's such a good beer. Now, are you also, and I've seen this, um, are you also a big Cardinals fan?
2: I'm a big Cardinals fan. Yeah.
0: Same yep. here. So, um, huge Cardinals fan. If you saw a big white truck lifted truck out there with a the big Cardinal held in the back, that is mine. Been a season ticket holder for 15 years now. Um, We did a lot of work um, early on with Coach Arians when he was out here. So supported his charity. So we got to become friends with the Arians family and then inadvertently with Pat Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald and those guys. So we've been able to do some cool stuff with them, even though we have nothing to do with (laughs) that. But it's just been kind of fun. But I'm a huge Cardinals fan too. Um, But it's been said that Lou is also one of the most likable guys you'll ever meet. And I knew within the first minute of meeting Lou, that's pretty accurate.
2: Yes, I am one of the most <laughs> likable people you'll ever meet. And that's how we brand our company. Our entire staff team were the most likable people you'll ever meet. That's, that's, great. What, that's what differentiates us.
0: Yeah. And I think that if you watch any of the videos that you do and you guys do a great job of, of putting out video content, things like that, that it really comes across, you know, that that's genuine. That's really who you guys are. And so I want to jump into that, like uh, to go ahead and let the listeners know, um, Let's go ahead and, and, and uh, share with them really how you got in the trades, like, you know, and then where you're at today, just like kind of that process to, to let them know before we go into some of the details on, like, where, where were you and then where is Hobica Services today? we go with that?
2: Sure. All yeah, right. yeah, so I'll go over my story. Great. Um, my dad came here about three years old in the early 20s, uh, immigrant from Lebanon. His parents, couple sisters and him, uh, attended St. Mary's grade school and high school local, served in the army fought in battle of the bulge on the front lines he was a radio operator and um, so he got out of the army under the GI bill he attended uh, Phoenix College so he gets to the college sits with the counselor and says I want to be an electrician I know electrical (laughs) i want to be an electrician counselor says well Paul I'm sorry the electrical school's full says you know don't have any room for you and he's dejected and you know not feeling too up and but counselor says, but we have a new and upcoming industry. It's called refrigeration, and it (laughs) takes electrical, mechanical, business. I think it'd be a perfect fit for you, and he said, okay, I'll give it a shot, so he took refrigeration and business, graduated, worked for a few small companies, but in 1952, he started his own company, Hobaika's Refrigeration, out of his garage, served local grocery stores, farms, dairies, bars, and such, and um, Phoenix started to grow, started to just boom, and we started getting the oven effect where we're holding in the heat. So air conditioning became really a necessary um, event in the 60s. And like companies today, my dad had trouble finding honest, ethical, hard working individuals that were skilled that could be team members for him. Even them. way so, back then? Even way back then. so um, my mom and him put uh, you know, their heads together and a few other things together and just created their own employees. So they had seven kids, right? (laughs) So we all worked in the company and uh, we all cut our teeth working in the company. Um, I had a paper route. uh, I painted houses. I insulated homes. I did pretty much anything. I I would uh, build motocross bikes and sell them. I was a hands-on guy and started working for my dad at about 13 years old. And um, I didn't hold the flashlight for my dad, but... I was the helper for the technician that needed the most help that day. So sure. i ride with all the technicians, I'd help them out, and I'd usually get the the dirty job. So, so you Lou, literally grew up in the business. Yeah, I you did. So, grew up. you know, Lou, Lou got stuck in the attics. I had to go <laughs> crawling through the attics and do the nasty stuff. But I was able to learn, you know, the real effect and really what hard work was. Work and ethic, I could, yeah. Yeah, exactly what it was. Yep. Um, so I um, uh, continued on, uh, attended uh, ASU. Uh, like we said, go Devils. Got a business degree. My brother, Paul, uh, received an engineering degree and another brother, Mike, with an engineering degree. And uh, we bought the company in 1989. Got it. And at that time, it was just Paul and I and um, a total of eight people in the company. And we were two of them. So it was a real small, (laughs) maybe $800,000 company. So Nobody else in the family? Nobody else in the family? No, it was just Paul and I originally that bought it. Uh, it, The others didn't want to have anything. So we had it valued and, you know, Lou and Paul didn't get anything for free. Sure. We purchased a street mark, market value, and we bought the building, and you know we just moved on. And my brother, Mike, joined us about seven, six, seven years later. Um, but then we've grown the company thus, and um, that's a little bit about how we came to be.
0: Love it. So where is the company at today? Are you able to share that?
2: Sure. In respect to... Just-
0: Size-wise? I mean, I mean, like employees, things like yeah, that so, so the listeners know.
2: we're 40-some-odd employees. Uh, the most we've ever been was 60, and that was in 2008-ish okay. before uh, something tragic kind of happened, and it affected a lot of us at that time frame. I remember. Um, we're $10, $11 million service retrofit. Perfect. Great.
0: Super respectful. I mean, if you survived 08, that whole area, um, that's when we launched this company was in that recession. And what's ironic about it is – um, it completely prepared us for this past, you know, this past COVID thing. Um, but what's interesting, if you think back to like 07, 08, 09, is people were transitioning from Yellow Pages more to internet, and it was still kind of like a scary thing to make that transition to internet marketing. And so what happened when the recession that time hit is people had their backs are against the wall, so they had to do things they might not comfor- have done comfortably before. So they decided, well, I'll give it a try. And so we actually came out of the gate really strong. On, online, and I kind of told you the story of how we got there, but um, it kind of pushed people who might not have normally been comfortable to do internet marketing to do it then. So it's kind of a neat deal, but you made it through it, and I'll bet you right. if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, that what you learned from that experience certainly was helpful as you guys went into this. March-April of COVID. stuff. So oh, definitely.
2: I mean, throughout my business life, buying the business in 1989, we've gone through many, many business challenges. Um, I can't even count them on two hands. And uh, every one of those, I mean, they're never any fun to get into, but every one of them is a great learning experience. You really dig deep. You figure out how to do things better, faster, stronger more efficient make more money and just trim things down so you're better through all those situations and this whole covet thing's no different we're a better company from it and we're going to take a lot of the practices that we've implemented here and move forward with them
0: yeah uh, that's excellent well um for those listening um here in the valley hill bike it is a very reputable name and a, and a really good business so you guys have done a great job um so what i want to do is uh because and this is this is great for our listeners because a lot of um Folks, I mean, and our and our listeners are of all shapes and sizes, um, but all in the home services space, um, for the most part. But things that that they can take away is is really what from you know, that you've maybe learned throughout your tenure, um, good good and bad, because obviously I think that um, you know when bad things happen, how you react to it is all part of the growth. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of your path, and and certainly you're, you're gonna, there's going to be other things that happen that come into play that you're going to have to get through it. So a lot of times it's not just, um, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing it? It's just that recognizing, like, you know, these things are going to happen. Don't be discouraged when it does happen. But lean on, you can learn lean on certain resources to help get you through any situation, whether it be financial, operational, like, because, you know, the technician shortage, you said it's been an issue ever since even way back then. In my 12 years of doing this, it's always been a problem is a technician shortage, but, Things that you can control are the trainings and things that you get. You know the, the trainings that you get as a human being. Like you can't, um, you can't be complacent. So while we always say if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, I truly believe that. You know, and I encourage our staff to make sure that they are doing education every single month, and it's a requirement to be to get smarter, better every single month. Um, now you've had a lot of trainings, I'm sure, over the years. You yourself, as well as your staff, you have to go through a lot of different trainings and things like that. So one thing I would like to 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 ask you from your experience is what's the best training along the way um, that you've gotten and then for you personally as a leader and then what are some good trainings that you would recommend for um, for like the teams out there, for technicians, and things like that. Like it can be either or. And it's just um, – it can be a specific type of training, a partnership training, or like whatever it is to you I think is what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully they can be like, okay, that's something that I can potentially – implement or go down that path, try to figure it out.
2: Yeah, yeah. So today, day and age, it's uh, the training comes a lot easier. You know, so we look at training as an event you attend, whether it's academic, a course, a certification. To me, it's really not all about that. It's all about just networking with like minded business professionals and learning from that. And I do that every single day. Every day, I'm talking to other businesses, I'm sharing with other business. And one thing I'm really good at is I'm good at R&D. I rob and duplicate whatever I see, whatever I hear. <laughs> I change it up just a little bit. We hobike it, and basically, you know, we hit a home run with it, and we just we just go to market with it. So, networking with other like-minded business professionals, I think that's your best education. And with all the social media, all the Facebook groups, everything that's available, I joined a best practices group through ACCA Air Conditioning Contractors of America yep. back in 1998. So at that time, there were 10 like-minded companies heating air conditioning plumbing electrical around the country and we would get together twice a year and share I'm still in that same group we've changed a lot over the years we have 12 companies in the group from non-competing areas but that's one way that I get a lot of good input and you know integration for making my business better make money save money save time and that's what we look at Um, but, um, so for me, it's, it's all about just networking and it's not like, okay, I'm going to take a course next week, next month, whatever the case is. It's every day you got to be reaching out. And the best thing to do is just share what you do, you know, be an open book because it, it doesn't really matter what you share. Most of the businesses that you share with even your competition, they're not going to implement it and get it working. And it just takes a lot of work to take an idea and actually get traction with it and put it in place. So they usually don't happen. So I'm not worried about my competition or what I do. I'm an open book. I'm an open shop. I'll show anybody anything that I do. Nothing secret. There's plenty of business. And most of them won't do what I do because it's not easy to do. So on the uh, the team side, I mean, there's all kinds of organizations that we're associated with. Um, Service Roundtable, Air Conditioning Contractors of America, there's local mechanical trade contractors of Arizona, have a lot of good education, Electric League, Heat Pump Council, Uh, there's a fast track HVAC apprenticeship program in six weeks, I can have a fully vetted maintenance tech ready to go, it's through an organization called BTI, Better Tech. Uh, Institute. And um, so that's local here. That's an excellent organization. We do a lot of online education through Lennox and through EGIA. So I have a whole training curriculum. We've had our own apprenticeship program since the mid 90s. And the best way to be able to grow your new field talent is gain your new field talent is just grow your own, right? Right. You're not going to go find it. If you go find something from somewhere else, they're usually floating from company to company, and they're not obica or rhino material, right? It it. needs to be, you know, they need to be a team-oriented individual and have the same values uh, that you're representing so they can communicate in the same way that uh, you want to be remembered in. So uh, we build our own and we've been doing that since the mid-90s. And to me, that's the best way to be able to do it and just utilize resources that you have out there in uh, a platform to be able to strategically follow. So it's important to lay it out so your team can know exactly what they need to do to get to A, to B, to C, to D. So, I mean, there's no smoke and mirrors and it's really up to them.
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, I, well, a couple of things that I heard you say is one, you need to be humble enough to go to your peers and, and find out if they're doing it better and be okay with knowing they're doing it better or something better and then being able to learn from that and then make it your own. Your R and D is Rob and duplicate. i never heard that before. Pretty awesome little acronym. <laughs> I saw yep. tall Paul laughing over there whenever you said that. But what's interesting, tell Paul if if you remember, we've on it for a couple different guests. We've heard the same thing in, yeah. in different ways, but the same thing is it's you find somebody who's doing something that's working really well. You take it, you make it your own. Yeah, um, because not you know, not all businesses are equal. You, about, you 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 have a question, Paul.
1: Yeah, I want to go a little deeper on that because that's an that's kind of a reoccurring theme we hear, and what we're hearing is is that most successful companies don't operate in a vacuum or in a silo. Like they've got a network of people. Um, where do you start with that? Like if you've not been in the in that you know world before, where you have a mixed group or a peer group, where do you start with that? Where would you encourage some of our You mentioned a couple, but what's kind of step
2: one? I'd start on Facebook. Uh, There are all kinds of groups, whether they're technical related for technicians, field individuals, but for owners and managers, uh, I'm involved in many. Um, But anyways, that would be the best place to be able to start just on Facebook. And everybody's willing to share from around the country, especially non-competing. Uh, just join local organizations like, you know, I had mentioned MTCAZ, the Electric League Heat Pump Council, there's several, and just network with the other contractors and businesses. And believe it or not, most companies are willing to share pretty much anything and everything they do. And if you're willing to share, they're willing to share. And, you know, with everything changing so rapidly today, you can never be the best at what you do. You know, you, you may be good at it today, but tomorrow you may be way behind the ball. You need to maybe retool and just improve on it. So you can always improve and things are changing so quickly, especially with, you know, internet marketing. Chris, you and I were talking, it's like, you know, 2004 when you got into Google and internet marketing in 2008. And it's like, I mean, that was a dinosaur <laughs> back yeah. then. I mean, yep. it totally changes even from a week ago. And you can't even keep up with Google. I mean, they're like changing everything every single day. They just... Brought their online reviews back on Saturday, and I ended up with 350 reviews that came piling in. It was just like crazy.
0: SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty. Insurance savings. Filter discounts, twenty four seven monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've gotta check it out now. Yep, yeah, but the whole Google Guaranteed yeah. program. If you set it if it sits stagnant for ninety days, you gotta restart it. And then with the COVID stuff, a lot of it sits stagnant. It's like it's just a constant chasing it. But you're you're right. It's no different for us. Um I think that one thing that's made Rhino so successful is the fact that um, we don't want to be the same company today that we are tomorrow. We're always trying to be better. We'll always say no zero days. Every day, keep chipping away at being better at something.
2: Yeah. So I heard tall Paul mention at the beginning of our talk, it was uh, like floating and sinking. So, I mean, basically you can only float for so long, you'll eventually sink. Right. So you always have to keep airing it up and changing things yep. and
1: you know, just make things better.
0: Yeah. No, Spot on. Um, Tall Paul, thanks for that good insight, brother.
1: Hey, I got that from Lou. I saw that on a YouTube video. Like, we're friends on Facebook. We've never met. Maybe we've met in <laughs> real life. But I, saw, I learned that from you, my friend. So, thank you. Oh, ah, you're welcome.
0: Wonderful. So, um, moving on. By the way, I never heard of the Fast Track, that BTI group. That's pretty interesting because we really try yeah. and get involved with as many companies as we can to incubate technicians. Um, so, anytime we can help promote that, yeah. I, think, I think if anything... With COVID, what it exposes the fact that um, I'd rather be a part of a company that's an essential business. Sure. And uh, maybe you know the news or, or the you know being a technician isn't glorified. Um, I'd like to think that being an essential business is pretty dang important, and uh, and that COVID, if something else ever happens again, guess who's working? You're essential exact, businesses. You're exactly right. Yeah. You know what? So I'm a big advocate of those who are uh, wanting to get into into the trades early. Um, so when I ask this question and I've never done this before, but I want to, and, and you might be like, this isn't how I would think of it. But as I try to put myself in the shoes of our listeners and maybe even pigeonholing it down to those who are really new, maybe even one, two, three guys who are still just trying to figure it out. Cause you know, a lot of times it's a technician who stepped out and, um, knows the trade knows the technical side of it, but doesn't understand that he's actually in the, he he need, he's a business. He needs to understand the business side of this thing. But if you had to put in order uh, if somebody's running a business, how would they, you know, how would they run this business of importance? Um, if you had to put in order and I have it on your paper too, if you need to reference it too, is um, operational, financial, sales, marketing, and technical. If you had to put those in order, how would you put those five things in order for for the business to be successful?
2: Well, hindsight 2020 makes me look really, really smart. So (laughs) if I could do it all over again, uh, I would put financial number one. So you basically, you have to understand financials and how the numbers work. I see so many companies just jumping through hoops, running so fast, and they're just not making any money. They don't know how to make money. So reading a balance sheet, right? Understanding an income statement, understanding your direct costs, your overhead costs, variable overhead, fixed overhead, Uh, what labor brings with it. Labor will bring three times its its multiple in overhead costs with each dollar of labor. So every dollar of labor is going to cost you three Three times times, that in overhead. And then on equipment, parts, and pieces, it may cost you 50% of overhead. So understanding that variable and the importance of labor and man hours, gross profit, where you need to be to be able to make money, and how you manage that throughout the month, managing your break even throughout the month, KPIs, are your KPIs aligned with your financials and actually making the money, the profitability that you wanna make, budgeting, forecasting and sticking and modifying a budget. So yeah, we, we forecasted and we forecasted for twenty two percent growth this year and we had a nice budget set, everything's all good and you know, things happen. Sometimes you got to go back and you got to retool and readjust your budget, right? So that happened. And uh, when the whole COVID thing, we, you know, we pulled our budget up. We had an emergency strategic planning meeting and we made sure that we got things dialed in and we managing cash flow. Sure. The importance of managing cash flow is huge. So um, I would put financial first, understanding numbers um, and technical is going to come last, believe it or not. So that would come number one. Uh, Next would come operational. Operational is pretty simple today because you can network with anybody and everybody on how to do something throughout the country, throughout the world that do the same thing that we do. So it's not rocket science. It's been done before. It's been perfected. So just find somebody that's doing it and, you know, R&D it. it. That's exactly it. it. And then, you know, change it up just a hair and you're good to go. Um, So, you know, from the point the call comes in to how you're going to manage the customer in your database, your CRM, to dispatching, right tech, right job, you know, how you're going to perform the maintenance, the repair, um, the customer experience. That's something that's forgotten. That's huge. So we have, um, we're really big on video training. So we have all of our training on videos. I mean, the easiest way to be able to learn and apply something is watch Watch a a video. video. Why do you think YouTube is the number one site? available. I mean, everything YouTube. So watching a video on our entire customer experience, how to present yourself, how to create that positive, memorable experience of the long remember how you made them feel, asking for a five-star review, asking for referrals. That's all a big part of our organization and basically being the most likable person they've ever met. So they're going to want you back because bottom line, we know that our customers, anybody's customers, they're going to buy on relationship. They're going to buy on likability and trust, And they like a They like a Hobica. you like (laughs) a Hobica, exactly. So, you know, the more that we can offer them more products and services, our goal is to own the home. And in owning the home is heating, air conditioning, plumbing, electrical security, wine cellars, drain, sewer, water, air. I mean, you name it, it's all of those parameters. And if our customers love us, people like to buy from people that they like not necessarily the lowest price. So, you know, we're in and owning the home is really our market. So hey, operational, you,
0: we're quick for we move on, will you share with the listeners too what you were telling me about the wine cellar stuff?
2: Yeah. So I was telling you that Chris, uh, you know, he's asking what kind of services that we perform and wine cellars is a big service. We'll do about a half a million dollars in wine cellars a year. And that's not a lot of money, but a wine cellar customer is our perfect customer because what does the wine cellar customer have? They have a big home. They usually have multiple homes, right? And if you have a big home, you have a lot of air conditioning, you have a lot of electrical, you definitely have a lot of plumbing, drain, sewer needs. Uh, You have the wine cellar, you want to be safe and secure, so you need security. You, need, you want and need all of this, and you want to just rely on somebody that you trust, that you know is doing the right thing, so you don't have to look over your shoulder and make sure. Somebody you like and you trust, and basically, you're a home run with that type of a customer, you know, and that's our perfect customer. I
0: thought that was great, so I wanted to make sure our listeners heard that because um, I actually had not thought of that. Um, but not. when you said it, it made perfect made perfect sense. I will
1: I will say that the wine cellar customer is probably our favorite type of customer, too. <laughs> so,
0: right. Fix-
1: um, hey, so there's so many spots where we can go deeper. I want to go back to the financial piece. Is that okay for just a moment? Sure. So you talked about <clears throat> um, you know managing your month to your break-even point, and I want to break that down a little bit more. Can you elaborate on you know what does that look like? As you're looking at the month and you're looking at your overhead, and you've got that break-even trigger, you've got revenue, you've got your booked calls. Like, what does the management of that look like?
2: Well, so you're going to budget for your year uh, what you want your sales to look like for the entire year, and then you're going to boil it down into your history as well as weather pattern-related um, revenue per month. Uh, so we look at that revenue per month, and then you've aligned your total overhead package. And um, for us, we're running about 38% overhead uh, for our total company. So we have our total overhead package, then we determine per month revenue with our overhead, where our break even needs to be to be able to just not make any money, but not lose any money. So that's our break even point. Once we hit that revenue number and we track our revenue every day, every second, every hour. So we know immediately where our revenue's at. We utilize service Titan, which I know you're sure. a big yep. fan of and I'm yep. one of your partners. Um, so we know exactly where we're at. Once we hit it, we know we've hit break even. And pretty much after that, everybody, everything is, you know, profitability. It's golden. Um, at that point, uh, I'll go back to one piece, Um, structuring your pricing, um, making sure that you price all of your products and services effectively so you can make the money that you want. And you're going to actually make the gross profit you need in alignment with your overhead to hit the break even number when you hit that sales mark. And then you know exactly where you're at at any point in time. So I mean, we passed our break even for the month of May, Actually, a week ago. Um, so we did. Re- we're gonna have a, a banner month where we're sixty percent up this year, uh, this month over last year. Yeah, which, because yeah,
0: because yeah, if the, the previous year, uh, we didn't get quite the weather that we got as early. yeah, It came so late last year out here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's important to manage that number and know exactly where you need to be for cash flow, as well as, you know, break even and making sure that you're going to make money every month. So I don't look at it as um, making money every month is important. But my goal actually is to not lose money in any one month. And if I'm able to accomplish that goal, there are huge banner months that we just win big with. And um, you're going to make money if you have everything identified and lined up properly. And if you don't lose money in any month that takes the wind out of your sail, that just sucks.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Perfect, man. I appreciate that um, in-depth explanation. I think that's going to be super helpful. So, Paul, thanks for asking that question, brother.
1: Yeah,
0: man. So you went went, number one, financial, number two, operational, and then what's what's next on this? I know you said technicals last, so it's either got to be sales or marketing.
2: Yeah, so um, we're gonna go to marketing. Okay. You have to define your brand. You have to know who you are. Um, your story. Really good. You, yep. you have to have a story. You have to be memorable. And our story is we are the most likable people you'll ever meet. You'll like a Hobica. Like a Hobica. People buy from people they like. And owning the home, you know, nobody likes a first date. First dates, you know, they're tough. You know, they're judgmental. You know, how's it gonna go? Are you gonna get a second date out of it? So we really market. Heavily to our existing customers for all of the services that they need, and then referrals from that—that's our best opportunity. So, defining your brand so you can market yourself strategically, uh, ongoing in a in a way that you want to be remembered. I mean, if you don't plan how you want to be remembered, I guarantee your customers are going to remember you in a lot of ways that you probably don't want to be remembered as. So, we want to make sure we're remembered as the most likable people you'll ever meet trustworthy, honest, we're there for you. Um, even if it's not something that we provide, we have preferred partners that we're in alignment with sure. that can take care of that, that have the same honest, honesty and ethical practices that we do. Uh, so defining that is important. You want your customers to remember you the way you want to be remembered. So, and your Better Business Bureau right. uh,
0: A-plus rating reflects that.
2: Exactly, right. So, add so that's huge. So marketing, that's going to go. And then uh, after that, it'd be sales. How you're going to communicate... Your products and services and the value, because I mean everybody can sell something and be cheap with it. Just yep. sell the lowest price. I mean yep. that's the easiest way, you know, to be able to get into business and put yourself out of business selling at the lowest price. Yep. So, we are not a low price leader. We sell on value and convenience and serving our customers. We're there for them, them, warranty, making sure it's done right. Quality, not quantity. Yeah, exactly. Quality, not quantity. So, how you want to communicate that to your customers each and every day? Uh, so we focus heavily on that, on that sales aspect. And I, I don't look at it as our, our team members, everybody is in sales, mm-hmm. but um, we actually don't sell anything. We just, we educate, you know, we inspect, right? Tell we story. identify and recognize something. And then we educate our customers and provide solutions. And one thing that I found over the years is one thing that our team, our technicians are not good at. It is delivering an A to Z presentation on their findings after they come out of the attic, off the roof from outside and talk to the homeowner. Because Chris, you know, as well as I do, you got a million and ten things to do. And the last thing you want to do is be spending time with a technician, listening to what's wrong with your home. And you know, you got your wife, you got your kids, you got your business, you got a lot going on. So you'd rather just get out of there. However, um, the technician comes down, he stri- tries to explain what's going on, you know, you have this going on, this going on, this could happen, Chris, here's some solutions, and, you know, you're, you're off on a different tangent, you're not even listening, the technician gets nervous, and he starts to, like, fire hose you with information, hoping to get you back, and he just blows the whole opportunity, not that he wasn't relaying Uh, information that was necessary for you to hear. And that could have been a big impact on you and your family. It's just that it wasn't presented well. So what we do is every inspection, we'll make a video on every inspection, whether it's a maintenance, whether there's something wrong, or whether it's everything good, we make a video. You know, I come down, Chris says, so Lou, how'd, how'd things look? And I said, well, Chris, you know, things look pretty good. You know, there were a few things that I identified I wanted to bring to your attention. And I made a video for you so you could see exactly what I saw as if you were there with me. And I, I figured you didn't want to be up in that attic with me, did you? Right, Chris? So,
0: <laughs> added I credibility because right. you brought the video. Exactly. I show Chris the
2: video and the video starts as, hey, Lou here, whole bikes awesome. services. Chris, I'm at your home. I'm up in your attic. I'm on your roof. I'm outside looking at your piece of equipment, your drain, your sewer, your air conditioner, your electrical panel. And I go over a few items that I see that just aren't quite right. And um, I'll show you this video. So you watch the video. Now Chris is going to ask me or my team questions on what he just saw. So Chris is in charge of the questions right now, not my technician or team member providing direction or solutions or explaining. So Chris is asking questions, and getting get feedback on what's important for him to hear, and our technicians are really good at one thing, and that's answering questions, not delivering a presentation. So basically, in that respect, we educate and present in a uh, a non-eventful way that's easy for the consumer. If, you know, Chris says, well, you know, my wife wears the pants in the family and she's not home, so... Have you been you talking know, to my yeah, wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> <Dang> <laughs> I need it. to I need to wait till she gets home. And, you know, I'd say, well, Chris, you know, is she available at work? We can just send her this video and she can look at it and we can, you know, get this taken care of right now. So that, as well as kids or, uh, you know, um, trustees for estates and such or rentals and landlords, so it works really well. As, and with the whole COVID thing, it's worked phenomenally well because we have a virtual service call and a non-in-person service visit, total contactless. And the video works great because we'll be outside, we'll be working on equipment, electrical up in the attic, we send a video, Chris looks at it, he's able to you know, identify, see what I'm communicating, we talk over the phone or we jump on a Zoom call. And we have the full education and explanation and understanding. And then we get approval on whatever's necessary and we go to work.
0: Did you guys jump on the uh, the video side of that early since you've been using video so much anyhow? Like as far as the video, like um, the these service calls on video, did you yeah. get on more early with that?
2: We've been doing the video uh, recommendations on what we've found for over five years now. Jeez,
0: so you were already like, because that was this big surge that people came on board was doing this stuff. So you actually were
2: way ahead of the game. So my whole team is on board with this. We do this on a daily, regular basis on every service visit. So it's just standard procedure for us. if you just jumped on right now, it's not an easy thing to get implemented, and that's why most people don't do it. I mean, I ha- it. we all have these amazing devices in our pocket, right? You can make a quick little video, and you can do so much with it.
0: And it doesn't have to be perfect. No, and, you, right.
2: and that's the big thing. Individuals, people are, are afraid to make a video because they sound or look stupid, and they don't want to sound and look stupid, right, make a fool of <laughs> themselves. So the best thing about a video is you can make a mistake, and I don't want my people, my team to redo the video. If they say something wrong, say, no, that's not what I quite meant. And they just go on and they continue on and just explain. It's, it makes it more real and Be believable. Authentic. That's exactly Be authentic. Answer, right. Kyle, yeah, what, and, Kyle,
0: what's my off? What's my office window say? You remember about being authentic? Uh, yeah. Don't. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Authenticity yeah. is, uh, is, is key. Go ahead, Kyle. Right, go ahead, Paul.
1: So, Lou, if I'm understanding this right, you've got kind of two options for virtual scenarios with your clients. One is a $39 like kind of teledoc experience, right? Where, hey, my system's not working. And then the other one is the a, a zero cost kind of sales presentation. But I want to talk about the service call. So you have to be willing. To solve someone's problem for forty dollars over the phone, which other contractors might not be willing to do, right? Tell me how you evaluate that from an opportunity perspective, because I, I see the upside.
2: Great question. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to go quickly back to uh, your acronym for your name, TPMs. Certain you were uh, a highly sought-after commodity through this whole COVID thing, <laughs> because when I was coming back from San Diego before this hit, TP was nowhere to be found. So knowing you good and point. having you as a friend, um, uh, we're golden, buddy. That's great. All right, so you clean up That's all. How we the, roll. You clean up all the shit. All right, got it. So good. All right. So, anyways, um, so what good. are we talking about now? We're talking about the, the virtual the 40, service call. Forty dollars. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Good. So so virtual service call uh, for a technical problem, whether it's plumbing, HVAC, electrical, wine cellar doesn't really matter. You know as well as I do, we can't fix it virtually. right? However, mm-hmm. we can solve a lot of simple problems. So maybe it's an air conditioning issue. And you know how many dirty filter calls we run? So a dirty oh, filter yeah. call we can solve. Do you know how many thermostat setting problems we run? The fan, my system won't shut off. It's running nonstop. Well, the fan's in the on position. It's not in the auto. Just simple little things, a noise, a loose panel. There's a lot of simple things we can solve virtually. So that $39 virtual service call, it's a Zoom. We just set up a Zoom. We just stuck with one platform. Everybody's on board with Zoom. Um, Quickly set it up on the device. The technician, he can do it between calls, even while he's at a call. So the customer sets a one-hour window at their convenience. We, in that one hour window, we text him a Zoom link. Technician can take a break, you know, and sit under a tree, go to his van, and basically have a 10 15 minute Zoom call with the customer, answer their questions, create a face to face conversation virtually, so create the trust and, of course, the likability what makes us different, and put the customer at ease. And if we do need to go out and make a repair, Our technician is able to see what's going on. He can hear it, walk the customer through the situation, go over to the equipment, listen to it, look at it, probably identify exactly what's wrong, give them a quote right then and there so they know what to expect, and then also put in alignment a plan so we don't even have to have a face-to-face interaction. And so that, that just hits a home run because now the customer, we have this comfortable relationship. They know what to expect, the quote. They know how long it's going to take. And there are basically no surprises. And if they don't want to have face-to-face, then that's set up as well. So that works out really, really well. If we're not able to solve it over the phone, we apply that $39 to the in-home service visit. So it's really a win-win situation. And then the free one is for HVAC replacement options. And that has turned out just Better than I ever thought it would be because we actually sell jobs from the virtual appointment. Awesome. So we quote right then and there on the virtual appointment in many cases, believe it or not. And we've had them, we, we send them the, the, uh, the options. They sign, you know, one of the contracts, one of the choices. They make a down payment uh, all online virtually. And then we just need to arrange, you know, for inspection, measuring, see what we need to be able to prep and assess the job, and then perform the work. But, again, we can do that in a non-face-to-face interactive mode to where we don't have to come in contact with each other. Um, The virtual estimate, HVAC estimate, basically is no different than a phone quote, but now it's a phone quote on steroids, and it's really hard to create a really likable relationship over the phone, but right. virtually face-to-face, yeah, you it's see. much easier yeah. to do, and we can walk through the home, go to the thermostat, go to the equipment, look at the return, look at the filter, so we're able to assess anything and everything, walk through the home, get a layout, what it looks like, low ceiling, ranch style, vaulted ceilings, whatever the case, so we're able to get a really good idea of what we're dealing with and able to you know give a quote in a lot of cases right then and there, so... Both of those have turned out just phenomenally well.
0: So you just said a bunch of stuff in there, and I don't want to lose my train of thought because I had questions on three of them. Actually, I wanted to elaborate on three of them because it was really good. The one thing is, on the technician piece, where with the $40 technician, like that call we talked about somebody was, you know, if it was just a thermostat issue or something like that, something simple. I imagine, because I understand the industry, sending a technician to a home, getting the trip charge to fix the thermostat, to put it into the auto position... Um, versus actually doing it over the phone, there's probably not much margin difference. And in, in, in some cases, it could be you send the truck, depending on how far away it went, like there's time and money, and that window time costs something, versus you just fix it over the phone, and now it's, you establish a relationship. Right. But I'm just saying there's not that big.
2: Like, well, so let's talk about making money with the two of those. For so sure. 39 bucks, I mean, we're spending 10, 15 minutes maximum. There's no travel. It's exactly where you were located when you made the call. So nothing had to happen. To for us to get a technician to a door, our break even, and we're back to the financial aspect. You need to know what your costs are, right? What your break even is. Our break even point is one hundred and forty five dollars. You just get a tech to the door, right? Right. If we don't sell more than one hundred and forty five dollars, we lose money on awesome. every single opportunity, yep. right? Thirty nine dollars for a virtual, you know, technician. You know, maybe he's, you know, twenty five, thirty, thirty five dollars an hour. Basically, that's. The point in that is not making money on that call. It's just creating the relationship, Relationship. doing something that nobody else... You know how many companies are doing this and doing it well? Very, very Very few. few. Why? Because maybe it's not that easy to do or it takes a little bit of work. But, you know, so you're creating that comfort. Um, We have several Google reviews and we really focus heavily on our Google reputation on attaining five-star Google reviews. Which is great. There's several five-star reviews in there that just thought it was rocket science that we had this opportunity, this application when the whole COVID thing worked out and they were able to get an estimate, you know, virtually that nobody else was able to provide. They bought from us online, sent a payment, were able to coordinate a non-interactive replacement of their system to where there was no face-to-face and we had several that just hit home with that. So, you know, I was proud of how that worked out.
0: Yeah, that makes I, thanks for going thanks for being so detailed about that. I think that was really important and I get the purpose of you want that person not just for that moment and you want them for a long time. But what's interesting is you put yourself in a situation to make you unique than 95% maybe even more of your competitors doing the, you know offering that and you tackled the speed is a necessity piece of this because they could call you and you could do it right then over the phone right. versus having to wait for somebody
2: yeah so th- there's one important piece in what we're talking about that is it wraps around the whole purpose of everything that we do at hobica so we're all about the experience right because you know as well as i do your customer is going to quickly forget what you said what you did what happened what was repaired what was replaced they're going to quickly forget that a week two weeks a month couple months they'll forget all about it but They'll long remember how you made them feel. So get into that emotional aspect, whether it's virtually, how you made them feel, their dogs, their kids, a hobby, something they like, just the special care and attention you took to the home, or maybe you're up in the attic and you're only an HVAC professional and you notice maybe a plumbing leak, some corrosion, something ready to happen, or an electrical hazard, and you identify that, make a video, show your customer and say, hey, you know, Chris, I was up in your attic, and I noticed, you know, these pipes are all corroded. It looks like it's a pipe that's ready to burst. I was scared to death to get anywhere near it. You might want to call a plumber. And Chris looks at the video, and he says, wow, Lou, thanks so much for showing me that. I mean, who would do that? Who cares enough? So creating that that memorable experience experience is just huge because they're going to long remember how you made them feel, and they're going to want you back for whatever services that you provide. And if you don't provide the service that they want, they're not going to be happy. They're going to just want you to do it, even though that's not something you provide. Um, or you you use a preferred partner to be able to utilize that and offer it.
0: Love it. So uh, the other piece of this too is you had mentioned that you give them a quote on the spot. So this is something that uh, from our experience as a digital marketing company, when we use a call to action, if we can use an actual number where people are usually afraid to give the ballpark figure, but what will happen is if, if if it means giving a ballpark or giving nothing, the ballpark's going to win. If you trust it, the ballpark will win, because they're thinking, I don't want to give a price and be stuck to that price. But if you give nothing, if and they were looking for a ballpark and you give nothing, the likelihood that they call you back when you give them nothing is much smaller yeah. than actually giving like the ballpark figure. Yeah, I understand. So Do you think um, that's is that a fair assessment based on
2: like that, that's fair, but I don't like ballpark figures because um, ballpark figures are a relative number to take care of a relative problem. So if I'm identifying a solution to a specific problem, we will send you a specific quote to fix that problem. Now, if we get to your home and there's more to that problem or it's a different problem, then it's a different quote. we We will actually send you... You know, by email, an actual quote to take care of the problem we discuss. So now it's in writing. Yep. No smoke and mirrors, no ballpark, because yeah. you know as well as I do, I give you a ballpark. Well, you know, Chris, it's anywhere between you know five and eight thousand, and then <laughs> you're talking to somebody else that no, Lou said five thousand. I heard him say I it's five thousand. Yeah, so it's stuck to the five. <laughs> Ballparks aren't good.
0: Yeah, no, and and I think the point. Of, and that's thank you for correcting me. You're spot on with that. What I'm what, and the point I was trying to get to with it is. It's better to give a price than to not give a than to give nothing. I believe. Right. So at least from our perspective, when we launch call to actions, we, you know, at Rhino, we're tasked with bringing in new customers. Period. That's our that is our job. Right. And and by giving a call to action when uh, that has that price point in it, uh, the likelihood of it actually converting into a, or, or becoming an actual customer. Becomes significantly higher. Sure. And so, if
2: you, if you do want to give a price, give a high price. Sure. One high price. A no wiggle. low price. Give uh, it a high. And <laughs> if they're interested, then okay, maybe we can do business together. Perfect. But as long as you create the good experience, then that's exactly. There you go it. boom. It's about so, the value.
0: So the last thing on our on our one through five list was it was financial, operational, marketing, sales, and then finishing with the technical. Technical.
2: Side yeah. yeah. So technical actually is the lowest end, it's the bottom of the totem pole, believe bottom it or not. And, and that's why you'll see a lot of really good technicians go open business for themselves because they're so good technically. So they figure, yeah, I can make money at this. You know, I can do everything that Lou's doing or whatever their boss is doing, the owner mm-hmm. of the company, just because they're so good at the technical aspect. Actually, the communication, everything that we do in creating the customer experience is so much more important than the technical side. You can teach technical to anybody, anybody can learn technical. It's much more difficult to teach the soft skills, the communication, the marketing, all of that aspect. That's the most important. But there's a lot of technical opportunities. Um, you know, some of my best technicians have been, if, if we look at a technician between a level one to a 10, 10 being the best, some of my best technicians have been a four or a five in technical ability. You'll always have the guy that can fix anything, and he's a, a 9 or a 10 technically, and he can take care of the problem, but those aren't your highest revenue-producing technicians. Sure. They're the ones that can communicate and create that experience, that relationship. That's
0: good. That's good feedback. So, we got it. So, we have Lujo Baika's top five. We got it. So, we'll, we'll share that. Financial, can, operational, can marketing, in? sales, and tech. Go ahead, TP.
1: So, I don't normally do this, but I may just go on a rant, okay? Back to some of the things you've talked about, Lou. Um, For our listeners, what Lou just described about the way he engages with his customers and he's kind of woven in technology and doing the virtual calls, that is now the standard, okay, for the industry. And all COVID did was push what was long overdue to what Lou was already doing, right? That's the standard. My fear is, and I have no fear for you, Lou. My fear is that 95% of the industry is not going to catch up to that. So there's going to be this erosion of opportunity for people who just aren't putting those things together the right way. And what's going to happen is like some software provider is going to figure it out and they're going to piece together these programs that now contractors are going to be stuck on to be able to deliver this standard experience that's required. So I'll kind of back off my rant a little bit to just say, like to our listeners, like now is the time. Think about it from a consumer perspective. How do you like to engage with brands? How do you like to engage with service companies? Like, do what Lou's doing. R and D, everything Lou is doing, right? It'll make so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, everything yeah, else. Yeah. So, so TP, the the important
2: thing here is to make it about the consumer. I mean, you want to make it easy for them. Just make yourself easy to do business with, and and we're always implementing so many great uh, practices in our businesses, but a lot of them don't make it easy for our customers to do business with us. And if you're not easy to do business, then you're not likable, right? So be likable, easy to do business with. And And um, do a good job. Yeah, just do a good job and do what you say you are going to do. That's really important. Um, Our promise is we do the right thing even when nobody is watching, right? And so when you do that, you create the value and the trust and your customers are going to come back for more. They're going to want everything you have to offer in owning the home and they're going to tell all your friends about you
0: perfect sense. Sounds so simple. <laughs> Sounds so simple. Didn't say is. Sounds for some.
2: Well, it does sound simple, but you're right, Chris. Uh, most individuals won't put it into practice. Yep.
0: but you have all the ability in the world to do it. Sure you do. Ambition without action is what,
2: Paul? It's useless. It's useless. If it was easy, everybody, everybody would, would do it. it right? Do we
0: have any more we can throw out there? <laughs> So uh, shift gears real quick. Um, so along the way, that hasn't all been uh, rainbows and roses, right? So it's not everything has been perfect. You guys have certainly been through ups and downs and different challenging things and difficult stuff. And, and you know, you have these different peer groups that you can lean on in your mixed groups or your, or your peers in the industry, um, part, different partnerships, organizations that you've been a part of, uh, maybe even the manufacturers. But what is uh, what is one of the biggest mistakes that you guys um, made along the way that you have learned from?
2: Yeah, so that's that's an interesting question, um, because I've made a lot of mistakes. Sure. And um, mistakes are really good to make. I like to make mistakes, even at the time I don't like it, and you don't feel good about it, and you feel like maybe you're a failure, but you pick yourself up, dust off. You're always better by making mistakes and learning from your experiences, because you have the war wounds that you're going to remember, like I don't want to go back there again. So I'm going to change it up and do this moving forward. So mistakes are really big to be able to learn from. <clears throat> Better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. Certainly. So that's where the R&D comes in. Certainly. But um, if I could do it over again, um, one of the biggest mistakes was is I did not uh, align myself with all the services I offer today, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Got it. it took me a long time to get there. I really didn't see the value. I saw some value, but it... It didn't come. Um, it, it wasn't. Uh, I, I couldn't see getting past all the work that was involved. I just saw like plumbing. Plumbing is not an easy trade to be able to integrate in your business. It, it's it's a totally different trade than HVAC. Electricals more in alignment. The wine cellar was easy to be able to do security, video automation. That's a little simpler. But plumbing is a totally different animal. A plumber is not an HVAC tech. So I learned very quickly by implementing plumbing and bringing some plumbers in that wasn't the way I wanted to go. Got it. So I don't hire plumbers. I make plumbers. Sure. And my plumbers know HVAC as well, and they know electrical. So all of my team are cross-trained, and I don't have separate departments. Got it. Everybody does everything. Lou comes to your home. He's going to take care of plumbing, electrical, security, wine cellar, HVAC, Water filtration, you know, air, you will take care of everything. Oh, no. So I have a lot of technicians that cover all the trades, some two or three of them, but that's the way that we go that's to great. be able to market. So that's the biggest mistake is not integrating all of those services early on because we are the most likable people. Our customers love us. They wanted us to do it. We just were headstrong and Lou couldn't get his head out of his ass and get it done. So. Sure,
0: but you're humble enough to realize that. Yes. Wonderful. And then you uh, turned them into your little... Hobicanized technicians. That's, it. <laughs> That's a new one. Hobicanized. You know, you can trademark it if you want to. Um, so, <laughs> the next thing would be, um, what do you think is the hardest decision that you've had to make uh, in your time with Hobica? The hardest decision that you've had to make.
2: Yeah. So, um, good question. Hardest decision I've had to make. Um, I. Uh, I. Um, I'm a black and white guy when it comes to business. You know, I do have a heart. You know, I have a family. I have kids. Uh, you know, I love life. Um, but when it comes to business, I'm pretty black and white. So I, I cut all the stuff away and I just say, okay, you know, how are we going to be bigger, better, stronger, faster, make more money, save time, save money? Um, the, the hardest part was the collapse of 2008, 2009. Uh, we were about, you know, maybe 60 employees. And within a two-month time frame, we cut in half. And that was 30 people that were team members, integrated. I mean, it takes a long time to look for, recruit, onboard, hobiconize people to be able to get them to communicate and be memorable in the way that I want us to be remembered with our consumers, um, customers. But yeah, that the, was the most difficult thing was just cutting our team in half yeah, and I'll having bet. to go a different direction. And that lasted for uh, a good three years in there, uh, and then uh, we were blessed with the uh, the hailstorm of the century, right? And that hailstorm <laughs> that yeah. was the gift that kept that was on a save, <laughs> giving. That was a saving grace. Uh, so that was a good year, 2011, because yeah, the hailstorm was September, in- October, September, October, 2010, 2010. And then once all the insurance money started to come into play, 2011 was a banner year.
0: It was like the rise of the yeah, phoenix. But that was the most difficult Manna thing. From
2: and, heaven. and then, even though I'm a black and white business guy, you know. Uh, that got real emotional at that time, just having to part ways with so sure. many, so many really good people. And they're still in the industry today, and we're friends, and there's no hard feelings. It was a really challenging time.
0: Yeah, it just wasn't a, a financial investment. This was like an emotional investment. Um, right. You know, like there was a lot invested into those people. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everybody in this office uh, is part of the Rhino family. Um, it's it's something that I'm a, you know, I'm a guy that prays. I pray every morning for the Rhino family, and that includes my employees, my customers, uh, my partnerships. Um, um, all those people are, you know, and, of course, my own family, but, like, everybody's part of the, are part of the family, and we're invested. We're invested into them, uh, their education. We're invested into uh, them as human beings. Um, this is just what they do to live their life. Um, but you also got to have the black and white, especially, like you're talking about, because you also work with your brothers. Like, And I think anytime you bring family into it, like my wife is the COO of Rhino, and um in uh, I'm the CEO, but we're b- very opposite. Like we are right. very different, um which is what makes it work. Um and the executive meetings usually her, her and I are the two that are going at it the hardest. Sure. Um but as we have uh, other family members that come on board, everything is black and white. So business aside, business is ran by these metrics, these deliverables, these things. It makes it very clear, regardless of whether it's a family member or uh, employee, these are the, this is the way we run this company and these are things that you're measured by. So it was a good segue for you to bring up the black and white piece of it because you work with family, um, with your brothers. So are there any... Um, what, what are some specific things that you guys put in place to protect that relationship because that would be the worst case scenario is that went south. But is there anything that you put right. in, in place that's like, okay... We're going into business together, and when Mike came in, he was a la- the latter one to come in, right? Yes, he was. So when Mike came in, you guys said say, okay, we, you, we're going to go into business together. And I say this because a lot of our listeners also have family that's coming into the business, right, mm-hmm. and helping them. What are some good things to put in place to keep that very separate, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, so number one, um, it's important to keep family and business separate. When you're at business, you're there to make money. And I'm in the position that I'm in because – I make black and white decisions. I don't bring a lot of emotion into my business activity. My brothers, on the other side, they're much more emotionally driven individuals. So Lou does all the black and white, you know, decisive things, the hard call things. And then I guess identifying what you're good at. So we identify what our strengths are, what our skill sets are, and we align those in the business on what we're best at. And then we define with a job description exactly what we do, what our expectations are, you know, what our requirements are, and we don't have overlap. If that's my job, I take care of it, and they don't participate in it. If it's Paul's job or Mike's job, they take care of it, and I don't go tread in their water and, you know, make any mess on their side. We just leave them alone and let them make the best decision for that. You know, we'll come together and we'll have strategic planning on all different areas and operations, but we let each of us run our own departments and sections of the business. So, it's important to define Like I said, exactly what you're supposed to do, what your job function is, and what expectations are, and holding each other accountable is the last piece. Um, But uh, just identifying, you know, what you're really good at and aligning those with what's needed in the business. That's important.
0: Yeah, sure. So I think that uh, one thing that that myself and my wife learned was that we had to determine who was the 1A and who was the 1B in any particular situation in a decision-making process. So say operations, she's a 1A, I'm a 1B. If it comes to marketing, maybe I'm the 1A, she's the 1B. So at the end of the day, somebody's got to make that decision, and it's whoever is the best equipped to make that decision would be the 1A. In your instance, maybe 1A, 1B, 1C with your brothers. But it's finding, you know, who is the best person to make that decision, and then you define those things. So I say I wanted to ask that question for our listeners who – have like their wife that's wearing probably wearing multiple hats or their husband wearing multiple hats, helping out or having their brother in or their sisters or whomever, it's in the business. It's so extremely important to know who's doing what and holding them accountable for those things and keeping it business. When I walk out of this building, when I walk out of this building, but when we're actually here, because COVID is kind of getting back somewhat, like going away and we're getting back to normal, but when I leave work, I leave work. So my wife and I might have it out in here in a meeting that when we leave, it's left in this building. We do not bring it home with us. That's the commitment that we made. And it's a conscious decision to do that, by the way, it's not easy. And I'm a witness.
1: It's, I don't but, know how they do it. It's the most remarkable thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Tall Paul has been the, uh, thank goodness he's six eight and he's got those long arms because he's been able to hold us back many, many times in executive meetings. Um, but it is a conscious decision you have to make. But I also believe if you have those things in place, Nobody wants you to succeed more than your own flesh and blood. So I think a lot of times having that can be really good as long as you have those straight, those set expectations. you think that's fair?
2: Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, one piece of that is respecting each other's yep. decisions and not undermining Absolutely. another. So it's kind of like bringing back to the family environment. Like, you know, say you have one of your kids and they go ask mom and mom says something and you go ask dad and dad says something totally different. It doesn't work in business. You have to say, no, that's your mom's call. Go talk to your mom. And whatever your mom says, I'm on board with mom's decision. Yep. That's the way it is in business. You got to
1: support each other.
2: Yeah,
0: I think that's spot on. So, um, Tall Paul, unless you have anything else you want to ask, Lou, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up. You got anything else for our man, Lou Hobica?
1: No, Lou, thank you for coming on. We have a tremendous amount of respect for you. You're doing, like, all the things that we wish everybody would do. So <laughs> thank sure. you for being so open and transparent.
2: TP, I appreciate it, and thanks for cleaning up this mess.
1: <laughs> so good. <laughs> this so is going to be good. I, c- so I good. can see this. Uh, I can see this sticking around a while.
0: Listeners, hopefully you found that as awesome as I did. I had a lot of takeaways. As always, anytime I have a uh, a podcast with a new guest who has their own way of doing things, I love taking notes and learning. I'm constantly trying to learn. Hopefully, you're doing the same thing. Um, the thing I heard from Lou is: do not be afraid to ask your peers for help. Be humble enough to ask your peers for help. R&D it. R&D it, okay? Make it your own, okay? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that's extremely important, okay? Lou Hobika's top five, financial, operational, marketing, not even sales. We're going to scratch sales and put education, and then we finish with the technical side of things. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Lou, thank you so very much for coming in. It was great to finally meet you.
2: Been a pleasure, Chris. And have you
0: in studio today. So listeners, hopefully you loved it. Until next time, we'll see you.
1: Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.